every week you eat approximately a credit card's worth of plastic. And that's insane to think about. And then if you look at like where it's coming from, you're like, well, everyone knows tires wear down, but you never think about where that goes. And well, that's where it is, it's in your food and water. Let's take a moment and just digest that. Welcome back to another episode of Who's Saving the Planet. I am today your host, Lex Kefauver, and with me is our fearless co-host today, Kirti. Welcome. Thank you very much, Lex. So glad to have you on board to help us sift through this. We have such an interesting conversation and company coming up today, the Tire Collective. That's right. Moving cars and sustainability forward. Oh, good for you. <laughs> One-stop shop. Interviews and slogans here at Who's Saving the Planet. So they're doing a really fascinating thing. They, are, they have identified a problem, which is tremendous, and I don't want to give it away, but essentially we are ingesting plastic in ways that we don't even realize. And a lot of that plastic can come from the plastic that comes off of tires as they drive on the road and the friction between the tires and the roads are producing or shedding these tiny little plastic particles that end up in the air that we end up breathing. That's right. Um, and aside from breathing it in, it's going into the oceans, it's going into the agriculture system, it's really going everywhere. Yeah. And so we, this didn't make it into the podcast, but there is a way that we and the Who's Saving the Planet community can give back. And that is helping them come up with a name for their product. That's right. Um, so they talk about their website, so you can go follow them, but they're also on Twitter. So if you have any fun, cool names, let them know for their device. I think what they had said, they, they were maybe like, bouncing around was like tco-31 or something we can do better than that who's saving the planet family <laughs> so take a listen jump in and at the end when you when inspiration strikes email kirti go for it <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go this is our conversation with siobhan and deepak from the tire collective Welcome back to another episode of Who's Saving the Planet. We have with us today the team from the Tire Collective. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's right. It's always good to start off with a question. And so we're starting off with a relatively easy question <laughs> on this one. Siobhan, Deepak, welcome. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Thanks, Lex. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. So glad to have you here. And Kirti, could not do this without you. Thank you for bringing science to our podcast. You're welcome. I'm excited. So excited. Okay, let's start at the top. Can you give us a just really simple snapshot overview of what the Tire Collective is, what it does, what does it look like? Paint the picture for the people that are listening to this in their earphones. Yeah, sure. So uh, we're a group of four co-founders. So myself, Deepak, Hansen, and Hugo. And we discovered their research that tires are the second largest contributor to microplastics in our environment. And we actually invented a device that can collect these microplastics at source before they have a chance to enter our air and our water. What does that mean? Like, like paint, paint the picture visually in terms of like, is there a little like vacuum cleaner behind the tire? Is the tire wrapped in bubble wrap? Like, what does that look like? 
So yeah, we um, so microplastics uh, or tire wear um, is the second largest microplastic pollutant in the environment, and so we made this device that fits right behind the wheel of your car, all four wheels of your car, and basically uses um, a little principle called electrostatics, which allows uh, the dust coming off the tire, the particles coming off the tire to be captured without it flying off uh, into the air and into the environment. So can you tell us a little bit about the efficiency of it and like how does it affect the vehicle's efficiency? Yeah, um, in our uh, lab testing environment, we've got about 60% efficiency. Um, so almost 60% of what comes off the tire can be, can be saved and not go into some uh, fish. Oh, we're going to talk about where it goes later on. We had okay. the opportunity to touch on that. I don't want to give away, give okay. away all <laughs> of the terrifying things yet to come. But okay, I, sure. I'm so curious about this. How did you four and you two, Siobhan and Deepak, specifically come together to decide that this is a problem to be solved? Like, Give us a little bit about the, the pre-tire collective history. Yeah, well, we're a pretty diverse team. We call them from all over the world. I'm originally from the US and California. Deepak's from India, Hanson's from Hong Kong, and Hugo's from the UK. And uh, we all met in our master's program, which is innovation design engineering at the RCA and Imperial College. And we all had a passion for trying to do something to help save the environment. And it was really through that, that we decided that we wanted to work on a project together. And it ended up focusing on microplastics because they're a huge emerging concern. Cool. And are you good mates out of, out of work? How does that work? <laughs> yeah, we spend a lot of time together <laughs> working <laughs> or like having barbecues, uh, going on trips. Yeah, we get along really well. And like, it seems like we're always together. That's useful. When you're doing the startup life i mean now it's all startup over zoom so it's a little bit weird but you guys are still all together right you're still all in the uk we're all in the uk right now uh we're all working out of uh hansen's house uh that's our little <laughs> good old hansen's house hansen's house everyone needs their <laughs> garage where they started their yeah. empire. Our, our yeah. living room is our office <laughs> <laughs> So when you guys came up with this idea and you brought together this super group of international uh, experts and scientists from all over the world, what was your first step to say, we think we have this idea, so maybe we can turn it into a business? Where, where did you begin that thought process? Well, I mean, honestly, when we first started, it, the focus wasn't on turning it into a business. Uh, they said we really just wanted to try and find a solution to help solve this problem. It was only after we started developing it more and seeing that it could actually work that we realized that we should really try and take this forward because it could be something that could really change the world. Mm -hmm. So you started with the science and then looked for a business case for it. Yeah, I mean, as, as, um, uh, as Siobhan said, we were part of a very interdisciplinary program and we wanted to work uh, and, and Tire wear and tires seemed to be a very sort of complex challenge, which excited us. Um, and, and so <clears throat> we first focused on how do we sort of take on this problem? How can we involve people from different disciplines across imperial um, aeronautics, material science, mechanical engineering? And how can we actually get them all to work together, find a solution and, and based on the sort of um, 
sort of recognition we're getting for it, we then decided that I think this could be feasible and viable. So that was a glancing blow at the recognition you're getting for it. Can you perhaps <laughs> dig into that a little bit more? Yeah, it surprised us. Uh, in all honesty, tires aren't the most glamorous of uh, of, <laughs> of of industries, but um, it was it was something we thought that nobody was looking at. But we've we've got a lot of support uh, from the mayor of London. Uh, we won. We recently won the sustainability prize um, uh, and got um, mentorship and uh, acknowledgement from the mayor of London. We've got, um, we recently won the James Dyson Award, uh, which is a really big, prestigious award for, for the entire design community. Being acknowledged uh, there was, was a really big, big thing for us. And through that, we sort of got a lot of support from the larger public, from, from different media outlets and things. So yeah, it's been a great, great experience till then. And uh, just to add to that, because of winning the UK National James Dyson Award, We've been featured on the BBC. We've been on uh, Design Boom and on many different uh, magazines as well. If you look at our website, you'll see the publications, which has been really insane going from working in a lab, like relatively undercover to this has been a huge change. You're about to get the WSTP bump. So just hold on. (laughs) Things are about to really take off here. So I I have a question and you know, tires have been around a really long time. Uh, okay, the modern version where we use plastic, maybe not as long if we look back at a history, but why do you think this hasn't existed before? Well, I mean, it's always existed. The fact with how tires interact with the road, they will always wear down. I think that there's just been a lot of other concerns people have been thinking about, and this has gone overlooked for so long. And it's only now kind of that people are really starting to become more and more aware about all the pollution sources that we are creating. And as we try to really move towards a zero emission future, that we're taking a more critical look at everything that we're doing. And that has really drawn this attention to Tyre, where studies are coming out every year looking at where we're finding this. It's under the Arctic now. It's in all of our water. It's on our beaches. In fact, there's a really scary fact about every week you eat approximately a credit card's worth of plastic. And that's insane to think about. And then if you look at like where it's coming from, you're like, well, everyone knows tires wear down, but you never think about where that goes. And well, that's where it is. It's in your food and water. Let's take a moment and just digest that. Thank you. No one could hear that, but that was Kirti laughing at, thank you. There it is. Good. Um, that's wild. So I feel like this is something where you, once you hear it, you can't unhear it. We eat a credit card's worth of plastic here. So let's take a minute and just help me as a layperson understand what microplastics are, how they have come to permeate our society in so many different ways without us really knowing about it. Yeah, well, microplastics are really small particles of plastics. They're about five millimeters in length. That's about the same size as a single sesame seed. Um, And they come off pretty much everything that's made with plastics. When plastics are exposed to the sun or to heat or cold, they break down. Um, Usually you think of these coming off of things like plastic bags or cups or things like that. Um, But tires are made of plastic now too. And all of these just get swept into our environment. 
Yeah. And it's not only our food, right? So it's going into the soil and into the agriculture, but these also can be dispersed as, I don't know if this is just like the, all of the news seeping into my brain, an aerosol. Is that like the way that you would describe it? Yeah. So that's really what is unique about them coming off of tires is the fact that they have the ability to become airborne. Um, and microplastics that are small enough uh, contribute to air PM 2.5, which that is just a measurement of size. And that means that they're small enough to be airborne and to be inhaled. Um, and to put that into a bit more of context about what that means, the World Health Organization defines uh, air PM 2.5 as dangerous to human health at any level. Okay, so let me see if I get this straight. We're making more plastic than we ever have out of petrochemicals, which are terrible for the planet in a way that are either unrecyclable or unrecycled. And a byproduct of this are tiny little plastic dustish flakes that are now spewed across everything that we eat and breathe that we are ingesting to what effect we do not know because we are the first generation to have ingested this much plastic. Is that about sum it up? Yeah, yeah that's much. fairly accurate. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm glad that we've gotten here. So we always try to identify problem, solution, viability. That sounds like a problem. And the solution that you came up with is, first of all, everyone's got to go check this out. What's the website? Uh, it's called thetirecollective.com. The Tire Collective. Is that spelled T-I-R-E? Uh, that's T-Y-R-E. Very good for us dyslexic friends out there. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll do a T-I-R-E when we come to the U.S. <laughs> yeah, well, so buy that domain now. Don't, don't yeah. make the same mistakes we did. So um, to describe what this looks like, imagine if you would a tire and there's an isosceles triangle attached to the back of that tire in a way that is very futuristic looking and seeming that seems to just exist there in a way that it itself does not rotate. And it is... Uh, a stagnant shape that is in some way just sort of collecting the particulates that are coming off of the interaction from the tire and the ground. So I would recommend people Google tire, T-Y-R-E, tire collective to take a visual image of this because it is a stunningly beautiful thing. Like not only is it something that is functional, but it's very pleasing to look at. It feels like the future now, which is, you know, I'm sure in no small part, why you've won all of your awards and accolades and very well deserved. Um, but help us understand a little bit about like what's actually happening with that. So like, what is the science behind the contraption? Yeah. So we discovered that uh, these tire particles, as they're produced, the carbon that is within them is able to be charged. And what this means is as they're flying off of the ground, these charged particles, um, we're able to collect them using a combination of electrostatics and the airflow that's around the spinning wheel. So we deflect and attract them into a storage unit, which can then be or removed and uh, reused in other applications. Um, and how, like, how feasible or how useful is it to recycle these particles? I mean, is it actually an efficient process? Currently, the way uh, tires are recycled is they are cryogenically frozen uh, using liquid nitrogen <laughs> and that and is then, crazy oh, why because because tires are very tough polymers uh, and they have about 
almost 200 different chemicals in them so just breaking them down is very hard so if you if you have access to a saw and be very careful when you try it you it's very hard to cut down a tire uh, we try, we've tried that yeah um, be very careful very very carefully but anyway uh, i wouldn't say that try it but anyway. maybe don't do it um yeah maybe don't do it um, so you, but, you know terminator 2 when they're trying to kill the machine that's the yeah. only thing i think of when you're like this so now he could have been made out of tires and it would have been like equally as difficult to just freeze them and then put them into like boiling molten steel it, it, it's that hard it is Probably that hard you, yeah there are i mean there are people in imperial in, in, in imperial college right now trying to see how they can break down tires so it, it's quite a it's quite a hard challenge to overcome yeah. Uh, what about a tire fire? Because I know we've heard about those things as like literally the worst thing that you. What what is what happened with that? Why is that so bad? And that's a dumb question, I know, but just putting it out there. Well, that <laughs> tires like if you do burn the material, it does release a lot of energy, but um, it also releases a lot of toxins, yeah. uh, and it's very hard to capture that energy as well. So you're wasting energy and releasing a lot more pollutants. Okay, so no tire fire. Instead, we're going to cryogenically freeze them as we would a human in deep space. Kirti, go for it. <laughs> I have a question. So is, like, is the recycling of tires as removed as all other waste recycling? Like, Do we send them to another part of the world and that dominates in tire recycling? Yeah. Um, so just to, just to sort of uh, uh, finish the answer. Yeah. They, so once they are, they are cryogenically frozen, they have to be broken down uh, into small pieces uh, and which then has a lasting impact on the material itself. So they can't be used for certain purposes. But what we are trying to now do is uh, once we capture these particles, they can, uh, and because they are being ground down naturally with, with the road, uh, some of their uh, uh, material chemistry still remains intact. So they can potentially be used in making new tires or actually more applications. Um, and it, it, it can be sort of uh, put back into a more circular system. And so that's what we're sort of collaborating with different tire recyclers to sort of find out. That sort of leads us into this next stop, which is you have a beautiful and elegant solution that and clearly identified a problem. And now it's sort of making the leap to saying, where does the business case or where does the economic incentive come in to put this on every car? So I guess three questions in that, at least two. One, do people know this is a problem? Like, do people are, is there an awareness that microplastics are a huge issue? I think, uh, oh, go on, Sean. I was going to say, I think there's definitely an awareness growing of microplastics. It's definitely not where we need it to be yet. People really need to know more about what is going on with everything out there and the fact that tires do contribute. So that is something we're trying to work on as well, just to make sure people understand and think about this as we're moving towards um, the future. But um, yeah, it's definitely still not there yet. We need to work on it more. Yeah, um, I, I think just to add to that, there's um, public awareness is very low because this is a sort of emerging sort of issue. But uh, speaking to the industry and speaking to people from um, from automotive and, and 
tire manufacturing industries uh they are very much aware of it but even for them it's it's a it was a kind of a challenge to find a solution for yeah well i of course it seems like it was a very novel solution to what is a very big problem but it took a lot of work to be able to come up with something that was feasible in terms of the physics and the chemistry before you even got into the who's going to buy it so there's definitely an ad campaign to be had about someone you know cutting up a credit card on a salad plate and being like this is your dinner for there's (laughs) certainly someone with some some bent to that can help drive that customer awareness let's say you even do is there a market for this like who would be who would be the consumer for this product um so we so based on our sort of understanding of the market we what we've sort of identified is that the personal car market in our current sort of state is very fragmented because once you buy a car it's your ownership uh, and you need to go to sort of take responsibility to clean up and maintain your car so as a first step for us as a system to sort of test our entire sort of circular system we're looking at fleet vehicles and public transport because they have uh they are one of the largest emitters uh, a lot of the pollution comes out from buses from uh, your delivery vans from amazon and things like that um and but they have fixed maintenance schedules so which allows us to sort of then go there and collect and maintain these their vehicles as well so um so that's who who we are aiming at first uh to see how we can uh develop a robust system that allows us to not just put the devices on the on the vehicles but also maintain them service them get the material and recycle it cuz in some way this is you're doing a public service by doing this and so starting with the public sector would make a lot of sense to put these on buses and on on vehicles that are transporting you know the emergency vehicles and even police cars and what have you there's a tremendous amount of cars on the road that should not be contributing to our consumption of plastic yeah i, I mean absolutely i think um uh the uk government has uh, already sort of um sort of called to action for for the industry to take uh, steps and measures to curb uh, what they call non exhaust emissions which tire tire wear is a large contributor um and so there is pressure from the government uh, to a certain extent uh, but what we found is that unlike tailpipe emissions or or uh, the sort of precedents that that set that the industry is a lot more proactive uh, they have been facing a lot of uh, pressure from the public from the government and they want to sort of start developing these measures earlier without the need of being forced by policy so that's a, that's a very good um sort of step for us hopefully yeah i think that you guys are we we here in the states tend to take the opposite approach so <laughs> yeah <laughs> good on you on that what do you think the biggest market for this would be then is it the uk or is it uh somewhere overseas where where can you see this really catching hold as far i think it's going to be within the delivery sector as far as which country um we'll probably expand from where we are currently in the UK and then go out from there and uh we'll work on that plan more in the future but the delivery fleet system is definitely going to be the biggest one especially with everything that we're seeing currently with uh the pandemic and unrest in the world at the moment this kind of sector has been growing dramatically and the uh the relative 
lack or the relative easing of the amount of personal transport we're using in cars, what with people not commuting as much to and from work, that will probably revert back to the norm in a little bit. But I'm sure that's sort of lessened the load ever so slightly. You know, I'm talking to you guys and listening about this. It really feels as though you started this because you identified a problem and came up with an elegant solution. And then you're like, we just need to do that because it needs to be done. And then down the road, we'll figure out how to make a dollar on it. But that really wasn't the motivating force behind this at all. Is that, is that right or am I off base? No, I think you're definitely right there. I mean, that really comes down to like the ethos of why we started this. Like it was really like pure intentions to try and make a better world and see what positive impact we could do. And yeah. coming up with this technology along the way proved to be like one of the ways that we saw we could make a difference. So what kind of advice would you give to other people that are in that same spot that are having to weigh the pressures of living in a world that has a sustainable future, both in terms of, you know, the sustainability and like us as a species and normal society and what have you with the economic pressures of feeling like they need to go have a job and do those things. Personally, I know that I, I struggle with that quite a bit because I need to provide for my family, but I also really want to follow my passion and, those it's hard to do both at once um i i would personally say that uh i think sustainable solutions and sustainability as an as a sector as an industry is the future uh you can already see that in terms of uh solar energy and, and wind energy and, and things like that um uh, coming up so uh if, if people are trying if people want to get into uh this sort of industry i think it's it's uh, there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, it's it's just about coming up with a, with a proof of concept and, and really putting your work out there. That really helps. So, yeah, talking about sustainability, like we're interested in not just environmental sustainability, but like all aspects, economic, social. So I'm going to throw this one to you, Siobhan. Um, you know, do you think that like the, the percentage of the tire collective that you represent as a woman is representative of women in innovation and like what barriers have you faced or what barriers do you think that we need to address immediately in terms of social sustainability? Oh, that is a very uh, tough question. Um, I, me personally, so far, I have been uh, very lucky to be supported in uh, my decision to go down this career path and uh, everything that I've studied, my family and my friends and my coworkers. Um, so I definitely have am possibly one of the few to be in that position, but um, I am, have only been in engineering for a couple of years now. I was previously in uh, the field of kinesiology and more biology, which we're seeing a lot more women in that industry as well. Um, but there definitely is not an equal percentage uh, currently, but it is improving. Um, I would love to see more women in innovation and engineering. I think bringing more perspectives in, whether it's from different gender viewpoints or anything, any backgrounds, I think is extremely vital to continue, having us continue to push forward. Yeah, um, and then this is kind of just a personal interest question. So I love cycling. I'm based in Netherlands. Everyone here loves cycling. I've seen that you guys have trialed this on a bicycle. Um, when is that gonna get to market? <laughs> Well, that's actually a bit more difficult market. Um, 
but yeah, we did initially use a bicycle wheel on our test rig just because it was easier to build. It was smaller, uh, but bicycles don't produce as much as cars just because of their weight. Um, so I think we're going to continue with cars at the moment and then uh, have that on the horizon for the next development. <laughs> one, one step at a time, right? You got to learn to yeah. crawl before you walk. Uh, that raises a good point, though. How much does this cost? So we are uh, estimating this to be uh, about 1,500 pounds per vehicle. So that would be about all four, four tires. Yeah. All four tires. Uh, and we're sort of looking at it from a sort of B2B and a service maintenance contract standpoint. So uh, if you have a fleet of like, say, um, 1,500 vehicles, then uh, we'll, uh, we'll supply uh, on, on mass um, to mm -hmm. each is there, supplier. is there any way that it extends the, uh, the useful lifetime value of the car itself or the tires itself? Can you like give that money back in some way to offset the cost of the, uh, the contraption? Um, so what's, what's happening now is there are going to be subsidies and there are going to be um, incentives from the government for adopting these technologies. Uh, so that is one sort of incentive driver for them. And secondly, there are considering the sort of competition in the market, there are uh, these sort of incentives to differentiate themselves. So we're kind of looking at how we can ride this wave um, um, off it. So that's the main thing for them. We talked to a lot of startups that are in this position where we talked to a lot of them from, from various stages. And I'm always reminded by something um, that Miss Shelton told us about the, her beginning of her career. She's one of the people that is leading the industry of sustainable marketing. And she's been doing this for 30 years before it was hip to be in sustainable marketing. And she describes this like the first two years of her business when she was just walking in every day being like, well, this could be the day it all folds until you finally hit that point where you're like, okay, you know what? I think, I think there's traction here. I'm not, I'm, I'm not waiting for eminent demise. We are who's saving the planet and specifically uh, me, because I'm the one who's foolish enough to do all this full time, certainly feels that like, well, this is the day and then it's not. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is the best thing in the world. So where are you guys on that? How do you feel about this journey? I think we're definitely on the beginning part of that, just trying to work everything out. So yeah. how do you help each other come together and support each other as a team then to keep the morale high and to keep sort of the dream alive when you hit those peaks and valleys of startup life? You know, I think we're very lucky to have a team that was so close before going through all of this. That was definitely a joint decision we all made when we first were like, okay, are we going to take this seriously? And we had a big conversation and thought about it. And we're like, you know what? I think we can. I think we have enough team support that we can try and at least figure this out. Let's put 100% in and see where this goes. Um, and so at points like where we are low, like one of us will always step in and pick it up and be like, look, we have this coming down. We've made it this far. This person wants to talk to us. Like maybe it'll work out this time. Let's keep pushing. And we have been very lucky and we have put in a lot of work to still be going forward at this point. Um, but there definitely has been ups and downs. I think it's just the fact that we have such a close team that it's been all right navigating that so far. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think for us, for me personally, it's, it's, 
like I, f- I find some of the sort of talents and skills that the others have is something that I want. Hmm. And so yeah. that's what sort of drives me to like come and work with them. Yeah. So Hanson is like a machine, like he's so good at organizing stuff. And Hugo is like really good with his mechanical engineering. And I'm like, I want to do that. And yeah. I need to sort of bring this to the table and I want to like be better. So that's pretty much what drives us. Because uh, we all want each other's skills. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the best part about like being in an interdisciplinary team. Yeah, that is yeah, so nice to hear. Yeah. 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 We've got a couple of interns that are 22 years old that are working on business development. And I've been teaching them about um, the psychology of marketing. And I'm like quickly running out of the little anecdotes that I have to feed them. And so I just have to keep being like, what else can I learn to then keep them interested in this? <laughs> more more based on just abject terror. But I hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. That's... Yeah, go ahead. So I was gonna say, I guess that's also true. Like every day that we like are ten, like first of all, like trying to work on this technology, but it's also like we're still learning tons of things about how businesses work. Yeah. yeah. And so like that's another thing to keep coming back for. Like none of us have a purely business background. We have experience and been in the sector, but it's still like the learning experience from this has been insane. It's a crash course. Yeah. Absolutely. Comes at you fast. And then you're, there's that, uh, that oft used cliche about having burned your boats. So like, you know, when the Vikings got to a new land, they set their vote, their boats on fire. So there was no turning back and they needed to forage forth. Yeah. Kind of hit that thing where you're like, well, we're here now. Let's try to figure out how to survive. So I feel you on that. Sorry, this is taking a more like dour, like <laughs> reflective tone. <laughs> Let's take it back to sort of uh, paint the picture in terms of 10, 15 years from now, when the Tire Collective has reached scale and maturity. What does that look like? What has changed in the industry? How, what discoveries uh, do you feel like are too far away to really consider as viable right now, but you feel like this could be possible? Um, the way I see it, uh, the way we see it is, um, we want to be like the catalytic converter. Um, the nice. catalytic, con- uh, is, is pretty much what saved us from, from cars before. Uh, and we kind of see it, see our sort of device, not just as a, as a retrofit, as you see today, but something that's integrated into the design of the vehicle itself. So, uh, we probably our best design would probably won't even be visible uh, to the consumer. Hmm. Um, and, and so that's what, that's what we see at least in the next five to 10 years of, of um, these companies adopting it, adopting technology like these into the, into the design. So it, it, it's not something that looks uh, like you're uh, putting something on the vehicle, but it, it's integrated with the body um, and, and it's completely sort of, seamless yeah and um you know just to pick up on talking about your visions uh for the future you guys are clearly um a group of pretty creative innovative people i'm wondering like what other ideas do you have for problems that we currently are facing um problems or or do you have any before i put you on the spot (laughs) (laughs) uh uh, solutions for for 
uh, what sort of problems exactly? <laughs> I think Kirti's just just fishing right now for what other <laughs> yeah, what other I, inspirations are do you have yeah. working around in there? Oh man! Yeah, like oh, do you do you have like a Pinterest board of other problems you're gonna solve? Basically, <laughs> there's so many. There's so I many. think all of us do have something like <laughs> that. So many, um, mostly notebooks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I have I have side projects running, uh, looking at. Uh, machine learning and AI for wildlife conservation. Um, I am also doing stuff on the side um, on ethics of AI. Uh, there's, there's, we're always looking at, uh, I mean, we're problem solvers by nature. So uh, yeah, I think one thing, we're always sort of thinking about how do we break down some, how do we involve people? How do we break down these complex challenges? How do we sort of build things? Uh, that show that these things can be overcome. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's you know, great. On that note as well, one of um, our old professors, well, one of my old professors used to tell us, like, imagine the world you the way you want it to be. And what can you do to try and contribute to that? And mm. if you think about that and then go through life with that kind of perspective, every time you come across a problem and just start thinking about, like, well, what can I do? How could there be a way to do this better? Um, and I think because of that, that's why we have all these notebooks and just trying to think about like, well, what can we do to leave a positive change? Indeed. That is a wonderful, a wonderful place to wrap it up. Um, Siobhan, Deepak, thank you so much for coming on board, uh, and to talking to us today. Kirti, as always, our faithful co-pilot. Um, thank you guys. We, we're going to be following your work, uh, ferociously with with encouragement and enthusiasm again uh tirecollective.com t-y-r-e collective.com yes correct yeah. awesome we're gonna make sure that people go there and check it out and uh, thank you so much keep in touch thank yeah, you so absolutely. much for having us guys thank you so much this is really exciting <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah exactly it's gonna go bbc npr and then who's saving the planet on your uh, press no, page? No, <laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. I mean, it's, it's all... It's we'll all put like... you on there for sure. <laughs> 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 Come on. We'll take it. <laughs>